This is the Action Network Podcast. It's good for the win. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. Four. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What's up, everybody, and welcome once again to the Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM, the golf edition. I'm Jason Sobel from Golf Bet. He is Justin Ray, the head of content for the 15th Club, and we're going to go through this week's Valero Texas Open. We're going to talk some Masters. We're just one week away from the year's first major championship of Masters back in April, the way it's intended. We can't wait for that. And of course, we're going to go back and talk about this past weekend's WGC match play. And yes, the Corrales Punta Cana, which had an awesome result at the end as well. Justin, what's going on? How was your weekend? How are you doing? You, you spoke truth to that Corrales Punta Cana finish was probably better than the match play finish where we didn't have probably. a class. I'm being generous. Those guys were out of gas, man. And the wind, the wind picked the wrong day to blow because those dudes were out of, they were out of steam and the wind slowed everything down and made things tough. There wasn't a birdie the last three hours of the championship match, but you know, it's, it's a grind, and Billy Horschel won that grind. So good golf good golf throughout the week. Sunday was a little bit of a slog, but it typically is from a, uh, from a presentation point of view just because there's not very many golf shots they can put on television. No, and it's one thing that I put on Twitter on Sunday afternoon. I got people riled up because of it. I'm not looking to change the match play. I'm not advocating for any sort of solution to it, but the nature of the beast is that match play is an inverted pyramid. By the time you get to – Sunday afternoon, it's not going to be as fun as it was earlier in the week because there's not that much to watch. And quite frankly, watching two guys play golf, I don't care how good they are, is not that much fun. Billy Horschel and Scotty Scheffler played uh, 122 holes, 50 more holes than they usually would for a stroke play event. Yes, they were absolutely wiped. I know a lot of people on Twitter were like, I play golf with my buddies all the time. We get in the car, we're playing three hours and we race through. I'm not that tired. I'm like, yeah, but you're an idiot because you're not playing for millions of dollars and it's not even the same game that you're playing. So uh, it is way different. Again, not advocating for like no match play. I love match play. But those who think that FedEx Cup Tour Championship should be decided by match play, those who think that a PGA Championship should go back to match play the way it was way back in the day. No, uh, professional golf at its highest level is an entertainment product. It's a TV show. And that was a terrible TV show that we saw on Sunday afternoon. It was a slow series finale. If you want to make the TV <laughs> show analogy, it was Seinfeldian at the end of the run where it wasn't its best, but uh, the Punta Cana finish was awesome. I don't know if you saw the reaction, Joel Damon, after he won oh, yeah. his post, uh, not to, we'll go back to match play in a second, but I was just still thinking about that finish uh, in the Dominican, the, you know, just the emotion pouring out, man, he talked about how his wife was working two jobs while he was working the mini tours, his caddy had like a newborn at home when he started to caddy for him years ago. And just the culmination of all that work coming together. That's why some of those, some of those alternate field events can just have so much more human emotion and power to them. And it was just an awesome finish and a great story and couldn't be happier for a guy who's pretty universally beloved in Joel. One of our favorite slogans at Action Network is bet on yourself. Joel Damon bet on himself. Gino, his caddy, bet on himself. His wife bet on himself. His caddy's wife bet on Like they, they yeah. all bet on Joel Damon and that bet finally cashed out this past week. That Plus the fact there are two other things. First of all, 
you can tell how personable he is on social media. You know, everyone just kind of flocks to Joel Damon. Everyone likes him. He's garnered a lot more fans. And you can tell how much of the other players like him based on the congratulatory tweets afterwards, which I think are really cool. And then the last part of this, did you see the video when Joel and his wife are standing there taking pictures with the trophy and the wind blew his bucket hat off and it goes like over a cliff and like it goes out of scene, out of focus, out of the picture. And Gino, his caddy goes racing after it and like just jumps, just who knows where he's going. He's out of frame. He just jumps and a second later, like pops up, like got it. <laughs> it was the greatest and he video looked like he was seen. leaping off of a cliff into the yes. ocean. It was amazing. It was awesome. That uh, it's just great. It's just all around. Everything about that final round. Um, he, it was a really tough back nine. Wind was howling. I don't think he made a birdie on the back nine, but he said to hang on. And in a way, in a sense, that kind of made it even more rewarding. You know, the grind down the stretch and then the elation when you finally got that victory. You mentioned betting on yourself. And I want to talk about one thing that I saw going back to Austin about somebody betting on themselves and he got a little bit of heat for it. And I, I can understand why, because it may seem absurd, but Billy Horschel said after he won the match play, um, I think he was, he was talking to, I think it was a conversation with a caddy he had years ago, but they asked him what his goal was. And he said in a roundabout way, he's like, I want to win five more tournaments, but I want them to be each of the majors in the players championship. The man basically said, my goal is to win a grand slam. Now on its surface, you might think Billy Horschel goal to win the grand slam. Like that's kind of, it's kind of ridiculous. There's no way it's going to happen. Of course it's ridiculous. It's a goal. If, if you're not trying to be the best you absolutely want to be, then what are we doing here? Like, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was really cool and an insight into how driven you have to be to be that successful in something. And that's somebody betting on themselves. Like, he, he's telling the whole world, like, I don't care what you think. Like, my goal is to win every time I play. My goal is to be not only a major champion, I want to win the Grand Slam and the players, you know. I just thought it was really cool. And, I mean – some people might have laughed at it and said, that's so ridiculous. But, I mean, I, my approach is, if you're not trying to be the best, then what's the point, man? Especially if you're a professional athlete. And I thought it was really cool that Horschel came out and, and said something like that. Even if on its surface, it may seem kind of silly to some. Along the same lines, I went back and found this piece that I wrote on Billy. At the beginning of 2014, I was out at Kapalua. Billy's whole family was there. Talked to wife and mom and dad and uh, siblings and, and really got to know Billy pretty well. I knew him pretty well before that, but really got to know him well. And uh, I found this one part in the piece that I had written where in 2012, he went two for 17 on the PGA tour and making cuts that year. He was terrible. He went back to Q school. I believe it was his fourth time back at Q school and he got through Q school and he was interviewed on golf channel right afterwards. And it wasn't, well, you know, hopefully I keep my card this time and, you know, I'm kind of humbled and he gets on in front of the camera and says, Oh, I'm going to win this coming year. Oh, I guarantee it. I was like, whoa, like, dude, you just you just had a putt to get your PGA Tour card like five minutes ago. And now you're like boasting and guaranteeing that you're going to win. And you know what? He did about six months later. So uh, he is uh, confident, bordering on cocky, which is okay. Love uh, watching those kind of guys play. So uh, Billy Horschel's maybe a guy that we look at next week. And uh, we'll get to the Valero Texas Open in a minute, but let's talk some Masters. I know you're starting to crunch some numbers. I'm starting to look through and at least get to that process of elimination right now. Let me start you with this. Who are a couple of players that you absolutely won't be picking next week? You look at the list of guys and there might be some names there where year in, year out, you feel like like a guy like Justin Rose has more birdies than anybody at the Masters the last five, six years, but just Mm -hmm. based on the way he's played the last 
eight to 16 months. He's not Justin Rose from a few years ago. So I find, I mean, I find myself steering away from guys like him. It's interesting. I'm, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, guys, I immediately crossed out. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm just going to, it's going to be sacrilege talking about these guys two weeks before um, that I'd ignore completely. I mean, like a guy like you picked a couple of weeks ago at Honda, like who's going to be in the field, like a guy like Shane Lowry, I'm probably not too high on going mm-hmm. into it. There's a lot of guys who, like maybe in years past, I made a completely steer clearly Westwood, but the way that he's hit his irons, I mean, burnout is a little bit of a question there. I think last week was his fifth consecutive week he played. You look at it and you might think, okay, maybe that's somebody I avoid. I'm actually kind of bullish on him. Mm-hmm. I think a guy like Paul Casey is underrated. I didn't mean to throw that on you without any notice, but I, I mean, right off the top of the bat, I'm looking at Rory McIlroy as a guy that, He's searching for something right now, and that doesn't mean that on the list of, what, 93 or however many players are in this field, that Rory's going to be 76th and, you know, I'm going to have him way down. It's just that Rory would normally be top three on the list for me, and he's not going to be top three based on what we've seen recently. He's searching for something. He's not quite there yet. He is not sure of his game. Um, Can he go out and contend? Yeah, he can still contend. I just don't think that confidence level is where it needs to be. And the other part of this is that I'm a big believer in that players need to have their games when they make that right-hand turn off Washington Road onto Magnolia Lane, and you can't find it once you get there. And so you look at some of the players, there aren't a whole lot of them in the world who, uh, as far as the elite players, haven't played well this year, but a Hideki Matsuyama really hasn't. He doesn't have a top 10 since Houston before last year's Masters. Uh, Matthew Wolf obviously hasn't played well. Um, you look at a few of those guys where you can say, I, process of elimination, those are the guy, the first guys that I'll sort of move out of that contender list just because they haven't played their best golf. Let's get to the guys who uh, maybe are playing well and, and more specifically what we're looking for. I mean, I always look at Augusta being a second-shot golf course. I, I assume that you do as well. Is strokes yeah. gained approach like far and away, number one, two, and three, what we look at and then kind of go from there? A hundred percent. And it's the most important statistic at Augusta national. And it's really not close. Um, the last five years it, when the masters was held in April, the leader in strokes gained approach at the masters finished first, second, second, third, and first. So that tells you like, yeah, pretty strong indicator of success. Danny Willett actually led the field in strokes gained approach last year in November, which was kind of out of nowhere, but he was so horrible off the tee that it didn't end up mattering. He lost a ton of shots that way. But the last five times it's been in April, overwhelmingly an, an unbelievably important factor if you're near the top. Those players who finished really highly in strokes gained approach shots who won at Augusta, where were they ranked on the PGA Tour list going into those weeks, or at least for that whole season? Well, in 2015, Jordan Spieth led the Masters in strokes gained approach. He was among the leaders that season in strokes gained approach. Um, Danny Willett entered with not a ton of data on PGA Tour rounds. Mm-hmm. He had struck the ball really well winning in Dubai earlier that year and had really good iron numbers that week. Um, 2017, it was Justin – I'm doing this without looking at any sheet. No, I know. Uh, 2017, it was Justin Rose who led the field in strokes gained approach um, at the Masters. His numbers were actually – they weren't awesome on, on, on approach play heading into Augusta National. Um, and then I think in 18, it was Spieth again. And Spieth, of course, made that big run mm-hmm. on Sunday when Patrick Reed won. Spieth's pro- approach numbers were were not as good as they were in 2015. He was probably around like 50th or 60th, I want to say, going into the week. And then Tiger led the field in stroke skin approach when he won. And that was something we could kind of see coming. Like it wasn't like a totally out of nowhere 
um, thing for Tiger where his numbers were trending in the right direction from a ball striking perspective. And you really went into that week thinking he has a legitimate chance. Do we think it's going to happen? I don't know. We've been waiting since 2008, but then it did. So um, look, it's, there's a pretty direct correlation there. Guys who are hitting the ball really well with their irons, um, you know, going into Augusta national, they have an inherent advantage. There's no real rough at Augusta, you know, and I know conversationally for years and even now we'll always hear about the contours of the greens and how fast and difficult it is to get up and down. Reality is the last 10, 11 winners with the exception of Patrick Reed, who chipped and putted out of his mind when he won, it's been a guy who's had the best approach play of the week. That's who's won the tournament. So Look for guys who are really strong with approach play. The correlation is just so strong. It's something that you have to really take into account. So right off the top of the bat, I mean, I hear approach play, and I think Colin Morikawa, I think Justin Thomas, I think Jordan Spieth right now, which I wouldn't have thought a few months ago. Um, who else is on that list without uh, maybe looking behind or beyond what we can just look at it? Okay, I went to PGATour.com. I looked up strokes gained approach shots. There's the list of guys, but is there any sort of, where's the secret list? Where's like the, the behind the closed door kind of list that we can look at and go, Oh, actually this guy, maybe it's, you know, last six events or something like that, or last however many rounds or, you know, last few times around Augusta. Like, is there anything pointing at a guy that, you know, Hey, he might not be as high on the list as some other players, but he really is a good iron player. Well, you mentioned his name already. The perfect example of that is Jordan Spieth. Yeah, He's yeah. in the middle of the middle high-ish type rankings and strokes gain approach for the season, but that ranking is so negatively impacted by his performance earlier in the season. He's gained at least five strokes on approach for the event in four of his last six PGA Tour starts. That's real. All you need to know, he's hitting his irons really, really good and much mm-hmm. better than he did earlier in the season. So he's a guy you can look at right away. Um, Webb Simpson consistently gains strokes with his approach play. Um, he's a guy who's just kind of, He's average off the tee, and he's really good at everything else. So some of those numbers might not blow you away, but he's somebody who's had really good approach play numbers at Augusta the last few years. Uh, Patrick Cantlay is another guy I look at right away. I mean, I know that he's somebody that um, his his game can carry anywhere. He's pretty pretty much you know he's really good through the bag and has been his entire professional career. My favorite player, and he was my pick last year in the fall. He had it together for three days, and then Dustin Johnson just hit the accelerator and blew him away. And this isn't looking very far down that stroke skin approach list because statistically he's probably the best iron player of the last two years. I don't know how he can go very far beyond picking Justin Thomas at the Masters. Um, he's improved his Masters finish every single year he's played, five straight years, finished fourth last year uh, when it was held in November. His approach plays through the roof. Uh, two players have hit 70% uh, 70% or more of their greens and regulation at Augusta National the last five years. It's him and Tiger Woods. So um, JT's numbers in that regard – Really, really strong. He's somebody I like. And you think about who played really well in their first, you know, big kind of coming out party in the major championship stage. Sung JM is a guy who, you know, had that great week at the Masters last year. He's known for his iron play, too. Um, he's somebody that I'd probably look at um, going into Augusta National as well. Yeah, I picked JT last November, and that might be the only reason I don't pick him next week, just because I don't want to double up and take him again. But if I was smart, uh, usually that's what happens when I, when I make these picks. I, I don't hit it, but it's like I, I was on the right path and just kind of walked off the path before I got to the destination. So uh, I think I picked, I picked Justin Rose to win the Masters like six straight years. Yeah. And then he finally nearly I was I think I was the only person everyone was rooting for Sergio for the narrative to finally break through. I was the only guy pulling for Justin Rose that day because he was finally going to break through and win after <laughs> I had picked him. He got really close, but. 
That was he did good. get really close. He probably should have won that one. That goes kind of yeah. um, under discussed, but uh, yeah, Justin Rose probably should have won that one down the stretch. This is Action Network podcast producer Matt Mitchell here to tell you our friends at BetMGM have a great new sign-up offer for our listeners, a $600 risk-free first bet. Here's how it works. If you don't already have an account at BetMGM, just sign up, make your first deposit, and place that initial wager. If the bet wins, you get all the money. If it doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $600. It's that simple. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the features gamblers like us love, like live betting and daily odds boosts, plus they're compatible with BetSync, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-88-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. All right. So we're going to get to our five questions in five minutes and uh, just a few seconds here. Let's get into the Texas open though. And uh, we'll start with some of these masters guys, because the defending masters champion was a late entrant into the field on Friday afternoon. He was in on Saturday. He was in on Sunday and then Monday afternoon. Nah, maybe not. I, 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 I don't know. Who knows what's going on in Dustin Johnson's head. Most of the time he was uh, uh, listed as a plus 650 favorite and then said, uh, I don't know. I just wanted to see where you guys would put me, but yeah, I'm I'm not going to Texas again. So uh, he's decided yeah, look, not it to worked play. last time. He went to Houston, and of course, he had never really seen before. Led the fall, finished runner up, yep. nearly won, and then went and carried it on, and of course, did what he did, setting the master scoring record in November. So that I kind of like the process. I kind of liked him this week on a total. It's a total ball striking golf course. Like all the metrics skew very heavy towards really talented ball yes, strikers. Yeah especially if the wind blows, then it could get wild. So, um, yeah, who knows what was going on there? It was kind of weird. I was kind of surprised to see him as that late entry, but I guess it's all for not now. Yeah, really. And so we are now left with, depending on the book that you look at, and, boy, you talk about something being wide open, but your favorite is now either Jordan Spieth, who hasn't won a tournament in three years, or Tony Finau, who hasn't won one in five years. Uh, right take your that, pick. And I think right after that is Scotty Scheffler, who hasn't won a PGA Tour event before, period. And right after that is Abraham Answer, who hasn't won a PGA <laughs> yeah. Tour event. Uh, and right after that is Ryan Palmer, who I've done some research on because I like him this week. Other than his win with John Rahm at the Zurich last or two years ago, he hasn't won an individual event in 11 years. Honolulu, yeah. I mean, what, what are you supposed <laughs> to – my guess is this is one of the weeks that we hope for, that we love to see because it, this thing is wide open this week, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. And like I mentioned, the wind, the wind has such a chaotic, you saw how hard it blew. And I'm, I live here in Austin, how hard it blew Sunday. You can get similar winds like that in San Antonio. And they may see that this week at some point, there's some really crazy one-off days throughout the course of the Texas open the last 10, 12 years, where I think there was an opening round in 2015 or 16, where I think it was like 71 was the leader and guys were going out there. The scoring average was like 77. 
like it can really blow and be really demanding. And even without that, it's a demanding golf course, tee to green. The last three winners of the tournament uh, finished second, first, and first in strokes gained approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and strokes gained off the tee has a really heavy skewing for winner ranks compared to the PGA Tour average as well. So, um, yeah, it's tough, and it's going to be wild open for, uh, wide open for sure. So we are recording this late Monday afternoon uh, based on what we found two years ago, the last time this tournament was contested. We might not even know the identity of the player who's going to win because he might not even be in the field yet because Corey Connors two years ago was a Monday qualifier and six days later was a uh, PGA Tour champion and punching his ticket to Augusta. So you look at the top of the board right now, as I mentioned, I'm looking at DraftKings right now. FanDuel has it differently. Um, Take your pick, but DraftKings has Tony Finau at 11-1 to as the favorite, followed by Scotty Scheffler, Jordan Spieth at 14, Corey Connors 18, Hideki also at 18, Abraham Anser at 20 to 1, Ryan Palmer, Cameron Tringali at 25 to 1, Charlie Hoffman, who's just got an unbelievable record here, 33 to 1, Siwoo at 35, Brendan Steele 41, Keegan Lonto, Zach Johnson, Chris Kirk at 45, and Cameron Davis at 50 to 1. Uh, any kind of leans with any of these guys. And, and if you're a guy who's in the master's field, there aren't a whole lot of them, but if you're a guy who's in the master's field next week, do you even want to win this one? Giddy up. Let's bet horses for courses. I mean, probably still. Yeah. But like, there's some drawback, I think to playing a lot of high impact intensity golf and, you know, um, then heading to Augusta National. In a field like this, I kind of like to start by crossing off a couple of guys. Okay. Right? So, Scotty Scheffler near the top of the board. Dude just played 122 holes at match play. Yep. I'm sorry. Like, it's just he's got to be out of gas. I just can't. I, I can't. His ball striking was awesome at, at uh, Austin Country Club. But that high on the board for someone to play that much competitive high-end golf last week, I can't do it. Hideki Matsuyama, way up there on the board, as you mentioned, he doesn't have a top ten since last fall. Don't like him. Wide, fading him big time. Um, and then you know, man, I don't love the guy at the top. Tony Finau has not looked great over the last couple of starts that he's made. Tony Finau. He hasn't. He had that red hot run around like Riviera and a couple of events to sandwich around there where he could have won basically every time he played. And then his last couple of starts, his ball striking hasn't been the same. So, I mean, I, I kind of throw out the match play, the guys who lost in pool play, because that mm-hmm. can be over so quickly. Like, for example, when thinking about Justin Thomas next week for the Masters, the fact that he didn't get out of pool play at match play, I don't really care. I mean, it's, right. just, it's such a crapshoot and can be over so quickly. You can't get a great sample size there. Um, I end up you know, like Corey Connors did, Andrew Landry broke through and won a couple of years before that. Um, this is an event Kevin Chappell broke through and finally got mm-hmm. his first tour win a few years ago. I think this is a great week for somebody to to break through and get their first PGA Tour victory. It just kind of shapes up that way. Um, a guy who's really interesting to me, I've got him at 80 to 1, is Doug Gim. Um, yeah. Played really well for three days at the Players' Championship, went to the University of Texas. He's going to have a nice, strong following there in San Antonio. Um, had some good ball striking numbers through three rounds at the Players' Championship on a kind of not totally comparable golf course, but a strong ball striking test, and that's what you're going to have in San Antonio this week. Um, he's interesting. You know, I, I don't know if you see if you see anybody else on this list who you think you can kind of lean towards maybe a first time breakthrough type winner. I do. 
uh, I see a guy at 60 to one that um, we've sort of gotten off the scent a little bit, but he was uh, leading on the weekend at Riviera. He finished solo third. He has since gone miscut, miscut his next two starts, but I think he was a little burns out. Get it? <laughs> Excellent. I, I see what you did there. Thank Very you. Clever. Thank you so much. I, I'm glad you were dad, able to see You're that. a veteran with the dad joke. You, you caught the I'm, subtlety I'm just, there. I'm just now leaning into it out of necessity is my first <laughs> on the way. Uh, anyway, Sam Burns. I, I do think that this is, a, this is a course where, yes, ball striking helps, but also strokes gain driving. And he is, I think, one of the better drivers of the golf ball. He ranks like 42nd strokes gain driving, but he's been higher than that in recent seasons. So I, I think Sam Burns is a guy – that sort of fits that profile who can go out there and win. Um, he was 23rd at this event two years ago. And I think he's a much more complete player right now than he was then. So moving down the list. Uh, yeah. I really like Doug Gim as well. He fits the profile. Uh, Brandon Grace doesn't really fit the profile. He's won already this year. And yet he's not in the master's field because he won in Puerto Rico about a month ago. I, I like him a lot. He's got top 10 finishes in his last two starts at this Brandon event. Brandon Grace leads all players in strokes gained T to green at the Texas Open the last five years. Oh, ho, ho, ho. there you See? go. And the Blind T to squirrel. green carries year to year more than the putting in my eyes. So, um, yeah, Brandon Grace is somebody who he doesn't fit that narrative we were talking about, but he's very interesting and somebody to definitely take a look at this week. Speaking you mentioned the importance of strokes oh. gained driving. I have a good number for that. Over the last, since 2010, the average field rank of the winner at the Texas Open. His strokes gained off the T rank is about 4.7. So he averages top five. The winner of the tournament that week averages top five in strokes gained T to green off the T. The average is about 11.1. That's a Mm. significant difference from the PGA tour average. So um, strokes gained off the T incredibly significant this week. Um, And I've got a couple of guys that I kind of lean that way. One guy who I is he's had a terrible year but he's one of the best drivers of the golf ball in the world. He's missed five of his last six cuts. If this is a week where Cameron champ can put it together, he can gain some strokes off the tee. I'm not saying a pick him to win. I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised if he's going to find it in this half of the season or this season at all. This is the kind of golf course where he would probably put it together, but miss five of his last six cuts. That's, that's kind of tough. When you say strokes gain tee to green, you say Texas, I think Jonathan Vegas. He's the name I have right below Cameron Champ that I was going to go to next. Um, I can read. I was looking at your page. <laughs> he, uh, Vegas, six and strokes gained off the tee the last two years. Top 20 last week at Punta Cana. He's made five of eight cuts here in the past. He's had some good weeks here um, in, in his uh, past experience at TPC San Antonio. So, yeah, Vegas, another Texas Longhorn, too. So Vegas is the guy who, when Peter Jennings was doing the pod with me, like seemingly every week we talk about Jonathan Vegas and – He's the guy that passes the eye test. He's the guy that when I'm at a PGA tour event and I'm on the range and I'm watching all these guys hit and I see Jonathan Vegas, I'm like, big dude hits it a mile, soft hands around the greens. I'm like, how is that guy not a top 25 player in the world? And so I, I don't know the answer as to why he's not, but I do know that he certainly has the skill set to be one at some point. So he's a guy that I've always been very high on. I look at him as a guy that, he should be in the President's Cup next year. He's a guy that should win again on the PGA Tour. And he's definitely a course horse. Uh, there are certain courses where he tends to play really well. And so uh, this could be one of them. Another guy that's right there, and, and Vegas is 100 to 1. Another guy that's 100 to 1. We talk about the narrative of the Cinderella story going into the Masters. It would be on par with. 
Corey Connors a couple of years ago. Corey Connors, like I said, a Monday qualifier who got in. Matthew Neesmith from North Augusta, who grew up going to the Masters since the time he was eight years old until he left for college. Really good ball striker. Talk about motivation in yeah, a single no week. Kidding. He's well, got some eight, motivation. The last two years, near the top of the PGA Tour, greens and regulation percentage, yeah. too. That ball striking ability. Yeah, I didn't realize he was actually from Augusta. That's very cool. Mm. So a couple of guys. All right, we mentioned Kevin Chappell being a former winner. I, I can see a Daniel Berger-ish renaissance to Kevin Chappell's career. Huh. Okay. President's Cup team members uh, four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, guys who were sort of up-and-comers, both guys who had injuries and sort of fell off the radar a little bit. Berger has obviously come back in a big way over the past year. I could see a year from now, looking at Kevin Chappell, maybe not quite at the level that Berger is right now, but I could see him being a top 30, top 40 player in the world. I could see that for sure. I mean, he had that stretch two, three years ago where he seemingly contended week in and week out. He had awesome ball striking numbers throughout that season and, you know, really made his hay and, as you said, made that President's Cup team. So, yeah, I could definitely see that happening this week. Um, Or see a renaissance like you mentioned with uh, like Daniel Berger had. Um, one guy we talked about, you talked about a minute ago, who has an unbelievable course history here. We just talk about Charlie Hoffman at the Texas Open for a minute. I, I mean, he's got two shirts. 14 for 14, making the cut in this event. He's the all-time leading money winner at the Texas Open. There's an unbelievable photo. Will Gray replied to a tweet. I said, Will Gray of Golf Channel or of uh, uh, CBS, NBC Sports. Yes. All NBC. of those ones. Apologies, Will. Um, sent a great photo to me. I, I tweeted out the 14 for 14 made cuts thing. And apparently during the beginning of the pandemic, when all the guys were competing on the Peloton, he had a shirt, his shirt he was wearing on the Peloton was, it had the Valero Texas open logo and it had his career earnings in it next to it, like (laughs) 3.7 million. It was unbelievable. Like what a flex, what a random, awesome flex guy who's won there before. Um, He's had some good finishes here the last few weeks. I mean, He's got to fill. He he might be the number one pick guy on DraftKings this week. I mean, in terms of price and the ability to make the cut, and I don't know, he's going to be high up there just because of that course history. One other veteran guy too. Uh, before before you go, go on, by the way, yeah, yeah. guys always talk about. Well, you know, I want the exemption. I I want I want major championships. You talked about Billy Horschel wanting five five tournament wins and wanting him to be the four majors and the players. Uh, that's you know idealistic. Charlie Hoffman's got a t-shirt with his career earnings and a single event on it. I mean, let's not forget what these guys are playing for out there. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, he's he's made more than a good living just at the Texas Open in his career. So the uh, one other veteran yeah, guy that I wanted to mention who popped up when I was doing a lot of my pre-tournament research, hasn't played really well the last 12, 18 months. Mm-hmm. Haven't seen his name a lot. The player who leads in pretty much every scoring category in this term the last five years is Ryan Moore, huh. which I thought was really interesting. And he, I know he hasn't played really well, but if you're a core source person, if you're somebody who sees some value there, if you're filling out a lineup or something like that, he basically leads every conceivable scoring category in this golf tournament over the last five years. The other name that's up there a lot is somebody who's really – He's really fallen on hard times in his career is Jimmy Walker, and I'd probably still avoid Jimmy at this point. But Ryan Moore is okay a couple of weeks ago, I think, at the Honda. All right, not terrible, but okay enough that you might think about it. I'm a Texas guy, I root for Jimmy. He's got some great course history here as well. I've got a few way down the list. If you're looking for complete long shots, which hey, they can happen at this one, or you're looking for just like low cost DFS players, uh, Brandon Hagee 
who we saw finish in second place at the Honda a few weeks ago, really good driver of the golf ball, smashes off the tee. And then I'm even going to give you a couple of young guys. Akshay Batia, we've seen him. We've heard about him. We know about him. Now. You never know. Um, you know, Batia is a guy that when he gets hot, he can get really hot. We've seen the fact that he can contend on a PGA Tour stage without too many studs or stars in this field. I think he can play pretty well. And then I'll give you two amateurs. Austin Eckroat and McClure Meisner are both in this field. They're 17th and 19th, respectively, in the world amateur golf ranking. And I know people out there might say, oh, amateurs can't play with the pros. No, come on. Eckroat can. <laughs> at Mayakoba last year in December, he finished in 12th place. Yeah, Eckroat, another one of those Oklahoma State Cowboys, that unbelievable program they've got going now. I mean, they're like, they're like Miami Hurricanes of the 80s in football. This <laughs> Turn them out. They were just ripping it up. And uh, Eckroat, another one of those players like Hovland, like Wolf. Dude's a stud. He's a really good player. You're gonna, we're going to get to know him here in the next few years on the professional stage. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that's all the names. We'll make our DFS lineup in just a minute. Let's first do our five questions in five minutes. And Jay Ray, it is your turn to ask me. You've already gloated on our text chain that uh, you have five really good questions. And I told you, I'm going to give you five really bad answers. So let's go. I'm very pleased with the diversity in my questions. Five minutes, five questions you never asked. I got to be honest with you. I get a little irritated when somebody calls me away from my golf. This is five under. All right. Okay. Number one, this is important to the San Antonio and Texas culinary dynamic. I'm going to ask you a question. Are you familiar with breakfast tacos? And if you are, what are your thoughts on them? See, I went my entire life growing up in Texas thinking this was perfectly normal. And then I said something about breakfast tacos when I was at the University of Missouri, and they looked at me like I had six heads. So breakfast tacos, very important here in Texas. They're everywhere. They're a part of our lives. I encourage you to embrace them. But I want to know what your thoughts are, Jason Sobel. I'm going to say not being a Texas guy, and I've been to Texas. I've not been to San Antonio where they're playing this week. I know breakfast. I know tacos. I can guess what breakfast tacos are. Not in my repertoire, but I'm not against it. I, I'm, I'm in favor of it, and I'd, I'd like to see more. I'd like to know Simplicity, more. the quality of the tortilla, very important. Mm-hmm. A little scrambled eggs, maybe a little chorizo, maybe a little bacon, a little salsa on top, cheese. Absolutely excellent. It's Always just- soft shell or you go hard shell sometimes? Oh, no, no, no. Soft, soft tortilla. Okay, all right. Always soft tortilla. I encourage anybody to get out there, you know, embrace it, make them at home, bring it into your life. They're very important here to central Texas, Texas open week, you know, had to, had to see if maybe, I didn't know if it was a totally foreign concept. As a New York guy, I'm more bake, uh, bacon, egg and cheese on a bagel. I'm like an everything bagel kind of guy, but I, I have nothing against a good breakfast taco and I will seek that out. Okay. Very good. All right. This had more relevance when Dustin Johnson was in this field when I wrote this question, but it still applies to some of the guys. Mm -hmm. Jordan Spieth included on that list. Question number two, on a scale of one to 10, when a player gets to Augusta National, how much stock do you put in the way they played the previous week? Seven. I'm going to look at the guys, and especially the guys near the top of the list. Really, there there aren't a whole lot of guys in this field that you would now look at and say, hey, I might pick him somewhere for the Masters. It's Spieth, it's Finau. Uh, if you want to go a little further down the list, uh, a answer, a Scheffler, a Palmer, uh, players like that, but Connors, I would certainly put there, but uh, not a whole lot of favorites, but yeah, I will put stock in when I look on Sunday night 
to do my ranking of the entire field and my betting guide for the Masters, I will certainly look at how those guys played this week. Right now, I really like Spieth for next week. Do I want to put him first on that list when I rank the field or fourth on that list? Well, that may be dependent on what we see from this week. I'm kind of terrified and excited at how much I like Spieth for next week. <laughs> Me like too. It's just this nervous bubbling, I, I know. like, man, if you just took his name away and just looked at all the different criteria going into it, you would circle it and be like, this is the guy. I think that's what we would do. So Terrified, excited, and so mad because <laughs> you could have gotten him at 80 to 1 two months oh, ago. Yeah, time machine, please. Oh. I can go back and do that because I'd love to have me sitting on that ticket right now. Yeah. No all problem. right. Question three, Ricky Fowler is there. Are, there are levels to this question. Ricky Fowler is 94th in the world ranking this week. Mm. He has to win to get into the Masters. Mm-hmm. So we're going to play a game. Is this player currently ranked better or worse in the world <laughs> ranking than Ricky Fowler, number 94? All right. I love this. All right. This is the one I was most excited about. Player one, is George Katsia ranked better or worse than Ricky Fowler this week? George won. He didn't play for a while at the end of 2020 and into 2021. And then he won one of those sort of nothing little European tour events, but that might've been enough to, I, I feel like you would not give me the George could see a question if he was ranked 137th. So I'm going to say he is ranked higher than Ricky Fowler. Ding. Correct. We are one for one. George could see an 82nd in the world ranking this week. I've not to be confused with George Costanza. I tried to get into what your head would be and like how you would approach answering it. So mm-hmm. all these players are pretty close to Fowler in the world ranking, but mm-hmm. we'll, have to, we'll have to make the determination. All right. Player two, is Martin Keimer ranked better or worse than Ricky Fowler this week in the world ranking? I've looked at Martin Keimer's world ranking at some point, probably before the Players' Championship. I want to say he was around late 80s then and i don't think he made the cut so i will say that he is lower than 94th right now you're two for two he's 96th mark keimer two spots below ricky fowler this week in the world ranking very good player three this is a player that uh our colleague on uh the gimme amanda rose talks about every now and then alex norin is he ranked better or worse than ricky fowler 94th in the world this week He's another guy that I've looked at. I've looked at everyone's ranking at some point over the last few months, and I feel like Norin had one good, solid finish somewhere, but other than that, it's been pretty ordinary for a while. I feel like you need that one big one to kind of boost you up, and I don't think he has it. I'm going to say Norin is 99th right now. He's 98th. Oh, man. Dude, we got to get you a hobby. My God, (laughs) I did not expect you to be – Three for three. All right. God, it's bad when the stats guy is telling me to get a hobby. <laughs> for sure. I'm <laughs> stunned. I would. I don't think I could. I mean, we spend too much time on OWGR.com. <laughs> yeah, no All right, kidding. player four here. We got five. You're, you're already guaranteed right. your winning record. Ricky Fowler, 94th in the world ranking, is Jazz Genoanadond ahead oh, of yeah. Ricky Fowler. Oh, or- absolutely. Oh, way ahead of him. He's like 85th. You're right for your first point. He is ahead of him. He's one spot ahead of Ricky Fowler. He's okay. 93rd. All right. right. Okay. Well, look, or, I can't give you everything. I, I can't get everything dead right. I was so fired up for this, and you're just wiping the floor. <laughs> I'll have to do this with somebody else another week, and I'll try to improve on my 
game format. I Number five. Billy Horschel of winning matches of <laughs> OWGR rankings. Just running rough shot over my game here. All right. The fifth and final guy for the perfect five for five score. Ricky Fowler, 94th in the world ranking, is Chan Kim ahead of oh. Ricky Fowler. Chan Kim, an American player who plays primarily on the Japan tour. I think he's won, I'm going to say he's won three times maybe in the last six months. Big dude, played at Arizona State. I've been waiting for Chan Kim to break out and be one of these guys that starts getting into some WGCs, maybe has a good result in one of those and, and gets his tour card. Just hasn't happened for him. He's probably in his uh, you know, low to mid-30s by now. Uh, age-wise, I, I'm going to say that Chan Kim, based on those wins on the Japan Tour, is higher than Ricky Fowler. 85th. You are five for five. Come <laughs> on. I, okay, well, <laughs> clearly I've got to up the difficulty level, and we've got to integrate some other – you know, I try to make it timely with Ricky and needing to win to get in the Masters, and five for five. How did you just do that? I am I'm beside myself. Like no. it's just it's we fly in from the stuff that we do and everywhere else in our in our life and our career mm-hmm. and we sit here and do this. He had no idea this was coming. Didn't know the game existed and he just went five for five. Awesome. Okay. Well, I've got one more question. By the way, I, <laughs> it's not I, related I, to world ranking. I'd like to apologize to my family and friends for spending way too much time on on the laptop looking at golf stats over the years. So there are worse things you could be spending too much time on on the computer. <laughs> Let's just say that. Question five. Jordan Spieth is in the field this week, as we mentioned. He's gained – this is one of my favorite stats about him recently. He's gained five or more strokes on approach shots in four of his last six starts. Mm-hmm. Big big ball striking test this week at TBC San Antonio. Yes or no? We'll skip this week. We'll go a week ahead. Yes or no? Jordan Spieth, top ten at the Masters. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. yes. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Okay. I thought in there fact, might be a couching and fading type situation. No, that – I mean, look, I I bet too many outrights, and I'll admit that, and I take too many chances with things. And if you just want, hey, I want one bet during the Masters. I'm going to bet I've got $1,000 to spend, and I want one ticket, and I want to turn a profit. I don't want the entertainment value of spreading it around. I don't want to do this. I, I want to turn my 1000 into 2000 Give me a bet where it's either yes or no, and it, Jordan Spieth, top 10, which is probably, I mean, that's more than even money. That's what, plus 175, something like that? Yeah, probably around there. That's what I was going to say. You want to turn your 1,000 into, what, 2,700? It's a Jordan Spieth top 10 at the Masters next week. There you go. You heard it here, folks. Book it. Lock it down. Jordan Spieth, top 10. All right, fine. So I'll spin it off. There was a a late audible with the DJ withdrawal. He was one of my questions here. So Mm -hmm. question five. You said hell yes to top ten, top five, Jordan Speed, yes or no? Yes. Yes. All right. I told you I like earlier, it. I'm using his stats in the Texas Open to figure out whether he's gonna be number one or number four on my list next week. I okay. unless he absolutely just like looks terrible this week, I don't see a scenario where I don't have Jordan in my top five going into next week. I feel really confident about him too. Um, I, I even think that even if he misses the cut this week in San Antonio, I don't know how much bearing it's going to have on a guy who is second in the history of the Masters and strokes gain total per round behind only Ben Hogan. So I know I've said that a few times on this podcast, but that Hogan stat, but um, I'm super high on him too. So, all right, 
it's it's nervous energy, you know, heading into Augusta National. But those are your five questions. Somehow we got breakfast tacos and jazz gentlemen on and on into the same segment, which I'm very proud of. And I went five for five. Don't forget that part. I was trying to skim past that, but thank you for bringing it back up. It's a great. We got to play the game again, and I've got to I've got to have a bigger challenge for you. I, I will give you one of those. I, I love the idea of that. I will give you one of those next week, and it's going to be something Masters related, and you're going to absolutely go five for five. And you're going to be like, yeah, this is the easiest thing ever. So um, No pressure. <laughs> I, I will do it. We're going to get to our DFS lineup in just a second here. Before we move on, though, I want to tell you about our friends at Athletic Brewing Company, makers of America's most flavorful non-alcoholic beer. Last week, Billy Horschel won the WGC Dell Technologies match play despite just one birdie in the championship match. And you know why? Because he stayed focused and he didn't get sloppy. Reminds me of how I feel after a few free wave double hop IPAs because for years now, Athletic Brewing has been making great tasting beers like free wave beers that celebrate the innovation of great craft beer, but without the alcohol. So if you're thinking of taking it easy on the booze this April and keeping your gambling wits about you, Athletic Brewing's award-winning beers are a great option. If you want to support the show, head to athleticbrewing.com, check out their selection, and place an order using code ACTION15. This gets customers 15% off their first order. If you order two or more six-packs, shipping is always free. That's athleticbrewing.com. Use the code ACTION15 on that first order and enjoy great taste while keeping your gambling edge. I am going to drink an athletic while doing this DFS lineup because uh, we need to keep our edge right here. Mike, kick us off. Uh, I think there's a lot of really cool ways we can go with different lineups this week. So uh, what are you thinking? Want to be a DFS millionaire? You're just one lineup away. We're going to go nose to nose with him. And you're going to play better than you ever dreamed of. Because God damn it, that's what I demand of you. So let's get drafting. So I'm going to start with a guy. I'll, I'll give a little bit of value. Someone we mentioned earlier, a guy who really burst, I think, onto everyone's collective scene um, in the mainstream golf audience at the Players' Championship a couple weeks ago. Texas Longhorn, former number one amateur in the world. I'm going to go with Doug Gim out of the gate. 7300 Seems like a really good price for Doug this week. I was just really impressed by him at the Players' Championship. Missed the cut at the Honda. Not too worried about that. I think he's going to have a strong week here, uh, about an hour away from where he went to school. I've made one lineup so far, and Doug Gim is in my lineup. So I'm on the same page with you there. Uh, my first pick, uh, I'm going to save some money as well with a guy who's won recently and a guy that you said has, what, the best uh, strokes gain tee to green numbers? Best at strokes gain tee to green at the Texas Open the last five years. If, I'm assuming Grace. you're going this way, then. Brandon Grace at 7,800, yeah. coming off a win in Puerto Rico just a few weeks ago. That's really good value for Brandon Grace, Isn't especially it? coming off that win. I like that pick a lot. And he plays really well in the wind, too. Let the wind blow in Texas because he's a good wind player. Speaking of good win players, I'm going to go with the man who has put his career earnings in this tournament on a T-shirt. <laughs> he's going to go 15 for 15, making the cut. He's had some good weeks here recently. It's a lot of money for Charlie Hoffman at 9,200, but this is Charlie Hoffman's Super Bowl, man. This is, this is his golf tournament. He loves this place. Past winner here, like I said, 14 for 14, making the cut. Got a runner-up in addition to that win. Uh, let's go with Charlie Hoffman at 9,200. I followed you after your Doug Gim pick. I went with sort of a similar pick with Brandon Grace. I'm going to follow you here. You went Charlie Hoffman. I'm going to go with a guy who also plays well in the wind, also has a really nice record here, has played in this a lot of times. It's going to be his 18th start in this event. In his last five, he's got three top six finishes. 
Can you believe that Ryan Palmer hasn't won an individual event in 11 years? It's unbelievable. Ryan He's Palmer 26 has, in the world. Ryan Palmer has had beers in Hawaii with me more recently than he has a win <laughs> on the PGA Tour by himself. He he is too talented to not have another victory. And this would be a this would be a perfect narrative, right? Texas boy comes back, wins the Texas Open, uh, then goes to the Masters the following week. I mean, it'd be just it'd be outstanding. Yeah, I, I like that Cor- pick a lot. Coors Light guy, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah, I thought so. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I've also had beers with Ryan Palmer. What a flex. Yeah, yes, exactly. What a flex. <laughs> For both but of us. True story. We I didn't know this until I started talking to him because I knew he was from Amarillo. My uncle, Gary Ray, was the head pro at Amarillo Country Club years ago. Mm-hmm. I mentioned to, I mentioned that to I was like, hey, you're from Amarillo, right? And I go, my uncle was the head pro at Amarillo Country Club. And you go, you're Gary Ray's nephew? And that's why we ended up having a great time having beers out there. Because Very cool. My uncle used to get him onto the golf course when he was a kid. So That's um, great. Ended up great. Had a great picture. Did a little Hawaii hang 10 in the photo. It was, it was a fun night. He's good. Uh, hey, back to the team. We got 81.50 per player left. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Oh, trying to figure out who we – You know what? Let's go back to a guy that you like a lot this week. Somebody who – had some, you know, nearly won at Riviera. Was, looks like he might win that tournament wire to wire. Um, you know, a little bit of a dry spell since then, but a guy who's really good off the tee on a golf course that really rewards that. Sam Burns at 8,000 looks like a really good value to me. So let's put him as player number five on the roster. Uh, I'm with you there. I'm looking at the list. We've got 8,300 left to spend. I don't love Adam Hadwin. He's kind of been a little back and forth. Joel Damon uh, is still going to be hung over, and at least I give him <laughs> I credit. Hope so. I, I give him credit for the fact that unlike most players, he'll at least admit it uh, that he's hung over going into Thursday. We kind of talked around Ricky Fowler and didn't talk about him. I kind of think this is going to be a decent Ricky Fowler week. I don't know that it's going to be decent enough that, Hey, we're just making one lineup right here and I'm, I'm willing to throw him in. But if I'm making 150 lineups, he's going to be sprinkled throughout some of those. What do you think about Ricky this week? I think he's going to have fire lit under his ass. To be honest. I think he, he knows where he is in the world uh, of golf in terms of the rankings, in terms of not being in the Masters right now. He's talked very openly and honestly about it, which I like. I think he's a guy who's going to embrace this situation as he works his way back. I mean, guys like Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth have talked about how he is working harder than he ever has. I'm okay with picking Ricky Fowler this week. I think that especially when you look at the other guys in that price range, you know, Aaron Wise, super inconsistent. Like we said about Joel Damon, he's still going to be hung over, which he should be at this point. You know, Adam Hadwin, not really. Ryan Moore, I talked about how good he's been on this mm-hmm. golf course in the past. But, I mean, at this point, I, even knowing that, I probably still pick Ricky head-to-head this week against Ryan Moore. I'm okay with Ricky Fowler. So we have Ricky at 8,100, Moore at 7,900. I'm going to go with the big name here. Okay. Danny Willett, 7,700. From left field. <laughs> From left field. Danny top, Willett top played 10. really well this past weekend. Yeah. yeah. He's getting there. And I feel like, again, wind, I, I feel like I'm talking about the wind nonstop uh, in regards to this event. But it's going to be a two-club wind uh, gusting throughout the four days. And so uh, he's a good player off the tee, tee to green, Danny Willett. And so leaving 600 on the table is not a bad play. Sam Burns, Doug Gim, Brandon Grace, Charlie Hoffman, Ryan Palmer, Danny Willett. What do you think? like a winner to me looks like a winner to me danny will had some good driving numbers good ball striking numbers at punta cana i think that's kind of a sneaky good pick all right cool well hopefully we win some money hopefully we help you guys out there win some money one more week till we get to the masters cannot wait for that until then 
Thank you for listening to the Action Network podcast for Justin Ray of the 15th Club. I'm Jason Sobel for Golf Bet. Good luck with all of your Valero Texas Open bets this week. Here's hoping you hit the green. We're finished talking.